I want to ask you to stand. We'd like to say thank you for that. Anyone who's a veteran who has served, just want to give you some applause. Thank you for your service and your willingness to give of yourself. Um, I hear a lot of tears that have been shed, some runny noses. I found myself moved as well. And I think the reason is I'm, I'm grateful for the fact that our... There we go. Thanks, Jeff. I'm grateful. I, I was moved too as uh, I watched the video. And I'm very grateful. Maybe not grateful enough really. But I am grateful for those who have served, who have given of themselves, put themselves at risk in harm's way for what they so deeply believe in. But I think what maybe even moved me more than the principle there is the people that I've gotten to know that many of you know better than I do. But man, they're great people. People that it's easy to love. People around here and connected to the Kingsway family, part of the Kingsway family. Precious people, guys. Uh, talked a little bit last week about how God had worked through rocking the block to bless us and to bless a bunch of people. Trying to stay away from a number of a lot of people, more than I could count. But what mattered about that is it was more than a crowd, it was people. People that were there. And what was so special about this was I saw people that, that I knew or, or people that I didn't know, but they were a, a parent of someone I do know and I care about deeply. And, and it moved my heart as I thought about the connections and, and the love that is there for those people and how they've impacted the Kingsway family and who we are and, and how God has used them and as He's worked through them. And then I thought about the fact God just loves people. And there are people all around us and the reason we don't love them yet is we don't know them yet. We have not had the opportunity to be connected to them. We have not had the opportunity to spend time with them. Because we're really a lot alike. We have fears and we have dreams and we have hopes. And we need a Savior. All of us need a Savior. And so I wanted to start a study this morning in the book of 1 Thessalonians. Where Paul wrote a letter to a church that he was able to see God start and form through efforts of sharing the gospel. And as you read in this letter, you discover a church that had a heart for ministry. And I, I, I believe strongly in our church family, there is a heart for ministry. And so I want us to start looking at this letter, and I want us to hopefully let God speak to our hearts about becoming ministers. You know, we have the idea that the minister is the guy that's paid on church staff or a church leader that's been assigned and been ordained. But the truth of the matter is the word means servant. And every one of us 
who belong to Jesus Christ are ministers. And so he wants to do that work in us. Uh, turn with me to 1 Thessalonians. We'll read the first three verses this morning uh, as an opening in this study of 1 Thessalonians as we start looking at a picture of a church which had a heart for ministry and that God may place that within us as well. I'm going to ask you when you find 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, we're going to look at the first three verses, to stand in God's honor and follow along as I read aloud these verses. Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, here we are, kids that need to be in touch with our dad. Kids that uh, are prone to get hurt, prone to jump before we look, to get scraped knees and broken hearts. And Lord, we just need to know you're near. We need your presence, oh Father. Lord, as we look at gaining the top heart you have, I just ask that you might speak, Lord. God, as we've taken time to think about this great country we live in, and people we care about, Lord, as we've looked at their faces and been reminded of their willingness to give, to serve this land, the United States of America. Father, that this is a land under God is the intent, Lord, in our hearts. And we know, Father, for this land to be what you long to be, you can't be forgotten, Lord. And Father, that task you've given to us, Lord, to make you known. We can't expect you just to be known, Lord. You've called us to be your ministers. And so, Father, I just pray that you speak to us this morning, O God. Father, if I speak, so what? But through your anointing, if you speak, God, then we're blessed, Lord. So bless us, Father. Um, I, I just ask, Father, that you might work through my feeble words, Lord, that your spirit might be there and at work. We love you, Lord, and we need you. In your name we pray. Amen. As I think about this letter, I want to start back first with the guy who wrote it. Well-known character used by God, wrote uh, or penned by inspiration of the Holy Spirit a lot of the New Testament. Um, He didn't start out the poster child of Christianity, though. He didn't start out the biggest encourager for those who follow Jesus Christ. He started out, though, with a zeal for God. He said, you know, I want, I want to be close to God. I want God to be proud of me and I want to follow Him. When he described himself uh, in the book of Acts, he described for his accusers, he said, there was a time, man, when I was growing up, 
I was the son of a Pharisee. And he said, I became a Pharisee. And who were the Pharisees? They were the guys that lived by the letter of the law. Man, I mean, if you said jump, they wanted to know how high. Not just in feet, not just in inches, but something a lot more, less. (laughs) Exactness. You know, Paul's the kind of guy, if he grew up in a church where it says, don't play cards, he didn't just play cards. If he found cards, he had to cut them up in little pieces and use them for confetti because nobody else was going to play cards. He was strict. If he was in a church where it said every man had to have a beard, he was going to have the longest, hairiest beard he could have because he was the kind of guy that was the high achiever. Man, he didn't just do it. He wanted to outdo everybody else. That was his personality. That that was his heart. Then that was how he worked. Matter of fact, the name Saul, which he was known by growing up, was a Hebrew word that literally means asked for. And so as I think of this guy, he was the guy that asked for everything. His name fit. God, I, I don't want to just be here. I want to be seen, Lord. I want everybody to know that I'm the most dedicated guy. I want everybody to know that I'm the one to look to. If you want to know God, look over here at Saul. Here I am. And he took that passion. And and he took that, that drive. And he focused it on wiping out a new group of people who called themselves uh, Christians, followers of Christ. Turn with me to Acts chapter 9. As uh, we read about that, it says, uh, starting in verse 1, Meanwhile, Saul was still bringing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Man, he was serious. He was focused. He was, he was going to catch all these people who, who followed this way that he, he believed was contrary to the ways of God. Verse 3, as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, he fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting, he replied. Man, this was a guy, he was self-sufficient. He was always in charge. He was a high achiever. He, 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 He was able to get the job done. And he was going to find God. He was going to seek God. He was going to discover God. And he was going to be the one closest to God. But none of that really happened until he found himself on his knees. Until he found himself blinded. Until he found himself on his face, helpless and unable to control the situation. And then his name was changed from Saul to Paul. You know what Paul means, guys? Paul means little one. He went from being the guy that says, I'm asking for it all. Man, I want every little drop of grace I can get. I want to be seen by everybody. I want to be the man to little one. He went from being, I want to be seen to, I want Jesus to be seen. And I just want to be the little guy. 
I don't want all the attention. I don't want to be the one with all the accolades. That was what God did in his heart. And, and guys, this is when ministry really occurs. This has to happen in all of us. The natural message that's instilled in each of us is I want to be at the top. I want to be seen. I want to be known. I want to be the one that accomplishes. There's nothing wrong with accomplishment. But as far as the spiritual life goes, for there to be true accomplishment, there must be an understanding that we need God in our lives. That we need to be forgiven. That we need to be changed. That we need to be empowered. That it is not about us doing the work. It is about God grabbing a hold of us and leading us in doing the work. That's what happened. We must too become little ones as we get our hearts really in tune with God, the living one. That's what happened with Paul. Um, That's what he wants to do here in my life and your life in the life of Kingsway Baptist Church. He wants to transform us, guys. He wants us to become servants and ministers. He wants us to have a heart for people. He wants us to be able to look out there and, and say, you know, that person counts, and I want to get to know that person. And, and I know that when God gets a hold of that person's life, that person's a beautiful person. We're screwed up because things aren't as God means them to be. Or we're not following God or we're not properly connected to God. And so all kinds of problems occur. But when God gets a hold of our lives, then there's a beauty that, that, that occurs in the life. And, and, uh, as Paul worked, he had that heart and, and he wanted to share, uh, you know, as we look at churches today, God wants to, He wants to change us. Vance Havner used to say, many churches, they have their dispensations all right, but their dispositions all wrong. God wants to do that work, guys, in changing us. Somebody else said, a church was never meant to be a deep freeze for the preservation of piety. It was intended to be a furnace that fans the flames of faith. You see, God wants to do that kind of work. You know what the natural progression in our hearts, if the natural progression of a church is, if we do not stay close to Jesus Christ and walk in the power of His Spirit, here's how it starts. It starts out that God takes a person, He takes a man, and He places within His heart a dream. A, a dream of what God wants to do. And, and that, that man, that person, he becomes alive, he becomes consumed with that dream. And God just burns within His heart uh, just a passion for it. And, and you know what? It catches fire. And that dream goes from a man to a group of people. And people catch the vision. They, they catch the dream. And they get excited. And they say, man, this, this is right. This is what needs to be. And I'm willing to give blood, sweat, and tears for this to happen. And it becomes a movement. And so it goes from a man, it becomes a movement. And out of that is, is birthed a church where people come and they worship the living God, where they serve Him, where, where they desire God and the dreams alive. It's a movement. But, but, but what happens is, once the movement occurs, 
It's easy to grow comfortable. It's easy to say, well, I know this group of people and I'm happy here with this group of people and I'm happy with what facility that we have. I'm happy with, you know, what we're able to do. And so I'm tired. Let's just sit down and rest and let's just all be happy. But what happens is the progression, it goes from man, then it's a movement. But if that attitude continues, we become a monument. Do you know what a monument is? A monument is a statue. It is something that is put up in honor of an accomplishment. And you look back and you remember. Well, I remember when God did this here. I remember when this became a church. I remember when this facility was erected. I remember when God did all these great things and I'm going to pay homage to these great things. And that's wonderful. We need to look to our past. But that's not enough. God does not want a church to continue on the path and become simply a monument. It's not enough. It's not enough what we've accomplished. God wants us to go forward. He wants the movement of His Spirit to continue to go out. God forgive us when we're content with simply being a monument, with simply always looking to the past and not looking to the future and to what God wants to do in each of us, guys. Now this is when dynamic ministry occurs. When we catch hold of the sight that we're called to be more than a monument, we're called to let the Spirit of God get a hold of us and and move through us. That the movement may continue among us. Paul grabbed hold of that and he went out and, and he shared the message of Christ. His desire was to form churches. And as we we come to this letter here in 1 Thessalonians, uh, turn me to Acts 17. I, we're going to look at it in a moment. Uh, this is the second missionary journey. Paul had already been out serving God, seeking to start new churches. He had been sick, and that prevented him from doing what he wanted to do. He had to stop. He had to take a break. His longing, his desire was to go to Asia. But we read in the Scriptures that God wouldn't let him go. But you know, that also tells me something about Paul that I love. He was in connection with the Holy Spirit. He wanted to do something, but he wanted to do it under the leading of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit got a hold of him and said, Well, Paul, that might sound like a good idea, but that's not what I want right now. That's, that's not what's right at the moment. And he wasn't connected with that. And it says that he had this vision where a man came to him and said, uh, I want you to go to Macedonia. That's where you're supposed to go. That's where you're supposed to, to, to serve me is in Macedonia. And so when Paul got better, he, he got up and... And he headed that way, guys. First stop, he stopped in Philippi. While he was in Philippi, he met this lady at a prayer meeting by the water named Lydia. Of course, I'm fond of Lydia. And uh, there God got a, started a church. And a riot broke out. He ended up in jail. But instead of grumbling and complaining, he and his buddy Silas started singing. Started singing praise to God and I believe that God enjoyed the music so much, he had a little foot tapping, caused an earthquake, chains fell off, they were set free, and then he moved on. He went a hundred miles south to Thessalonica, this place where this church began. 
And he spoke there in the temple. You see, none of that was by accident. Guys, not only are the steps of a righteous man directed by the Lord, the stops of a righteous man are directed by the Lord. Sometimes when you're stopped from doing what you want to do, it's because God has another plan. Understand, it's not just his steps, it's his stops. He's in charge and that's what he wants. He wants to be in charge of our lives. He wants to be in charge of us. Guys, that's, that's his word. He was in charge of, of Paul. He, he went down there to Thessalonica. It was a place that really reminds me a lot of our own land. Um, it was an obvious place for him to go, though. It was a trade center. Major roads went through there that went out to the ancient world of that day. Uh, it was at a port where they were able to use ships uh, in trade. Uh, it was a city of about 200,000 people. No wonder God directed him to that place, a great place for the gospel to get out as people went to other cities to trade and do commerce and to do business. God sent him there for that work. And while he was there, he preached, he, he, he spoke. And let's just pick it up and look at it here in First Thessalonians. Boy, where does time go? I mean, in Acts 17. It says, when they had passed through... Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica where there was a Jewish synagogue. As his custom was, Paul went into the synagogue and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that the Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Christ, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined. Paul and Silas as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and not a few prominent women. So there were some who got saved. They heard the message and they responded. But look what happened next, verse 5. But the Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters, some thugs, that's Todd translation, from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. Evidently, Silas was one of those who had trusted Jesus Christ as his Savior and as his Lord. And they came looking for Paul and his buddies. And when they weren't there, he got dragged out. It says, uh, when they did not find him, they dragged Jason and some other brothers before the city officials, shouting, These men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here. And Jason has welcomed them into his house. Uh Uh-oh, poor Jason. They are all defying Caesar's decree, saying there is another king, one called Jesus. When they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. Then they made Jason and the others post-bond and let them go. Jason, he just trusted Jesus. And he's, he's dragged out of his house. He's under prison. We read that Paul escapes. He goes somewhere else to minister. Now we come back to uh, the book of 1 Thessalonians. A year has passed. Paul has sent Silas and Timothy to visit this church. He wants to know what's going on in the church. He loves them. He wants to know what's happening in that church. That was his burden. Uh, why? Why do he have this burden? First, he wanted to encourage them as they grew in the Lord 
and in numbers. Man, he had saw their hearts. He knew that they were a ministering group and they, they were serving the Lord. And he also knew about this, even though it wasn't in those words, I guess, this man movement monument tendency. And he didn't want them to be content with what God had done. He wanted them to have a burden for God to work. And so he, he you know, someone has said the church either evangelizes or fossilizes. And he didn't want them to fossilize. He wanted the message to spread and to continue. Secondly, he wanted to strengthen them. Guys, I mean, let's face it, you know, you, you come to Christ, you want everything to be, you know, a flower bed, but it's not. Jesus said, there are troubles in the world, but I've overcome the world. Here's Jason, he's dragged out of his house. Paul heard about this. He didn't want him to be discouraged and turn away. He wanted him to know that God was there. Christianity is more than an event. It's a, it's a life. I love what Chuck Swindoll said. He said, the tuition is free. It only costs you your life. It only cost you your life. That's God. Third, He wanted them to be pure in the midst of an immoral place. Man, it is difficult to be pure in a sexually charged culture. It is difficult to be pure in a land where a person's word is no longer their bond. Now, uh, when my dad died, he passed on to me a piece of land. And the best right away that was through there was given by a guy by a handshake. Well, when we tried to do something with that uh, to get that piece of land, um, that guy had died and nobody else wanted to honor a handshake. It used to be that way. Most of the time it's not now. He, he, wanted, he wanted them to live holy lives above the crowd. I read a story about a kid uh, and he'd gotten in trouble and his dad wanted to teach him a lesson. He gave him a wicker basket. He said, son, I want you to go outside and I want you to fill this with water and bring it back. Kids started working on it. Finally, uh, after about 15 minutes, he came in crying, angry, upset. He said, Dad, I have tried as hard as I can, but every time I put water in this basket, it comes out the sides. The basket doesn't hold it. But his dad looked at the basket, showed him, and he said, You're right, son, but here's the good news. The basket's clean now. It's really clean. That's the whole, see the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives within us and He's not meant to just stay there. He's meant to move through us. And as He moves through us and out of us to minister to a hurting world, He cleans us. He sanctifies us for His service. And that's what Paul wanted of these guys. That's what he wanted. Uh, One last one here. He wrote to give instruction in the midst of confusion. They needed to know God's truth. And there's a lot of messages out there today. I worry, as I look around me, and I worry about myself, where there seems to be such a lackadaisical attitude toward the Scriptures. How can we know the mark of God on our lives when we don't know His mind and His Word? And yet, we don't give any time to the Word. It's frightening. I heard Chuck Swindoll the other day in a message really grabbed my heart. He said, you know, when I was a kid, I guess Chuck's about 70, I don't know, somewhere in there. But he said, when I was a kid, he said, when a speaker got up to speak, he would often quote from the Bible as a source of truth and authority. And that, that was just the status quo of the day. You knew that if you wanted truth, it was here. He said, but now that doesn't occur. 
He says, now nobody knows what truth is. It's hard to even tell anybody something's wrong because there's no such thing as, as truth. It's just really your opinion. He says, so we're in a land that's, that's hurting because there's no truth. There's no way to know anything. And he made this statement that really grabbed me. He said, chances are your grandparents knows a lot more about the Bible than you do. Chances are your parents know a lot of, more about the Bible than you do. Unless you're one of the sons of Issachar, unless you're one that's really in tune with the times and under the power of God, you know less and less than those before you. It's an indictment. And I believe it's true. God forgive us. How are we ever going to see America change? How are we ever going to see Bristol and our community change? How are we ever going to be changed if we don't care about the book? If we don't care about the Lord? God spare us. God help us. He also said, Swindoll also said, uh, that in an age where the main goal is to make people happy, the church has often succumbed that what we're really looking for is to be entertained. And when that is the goal, the first thing to leave to die in a church is a love for the Scriptures, is biblical knowledge. How can you know God if you don't care what He thinks? Let's face it. How can you love Him if you don't care what He thinks? Chuck said that What happens now in many churches is they come in and they leave with a smile on their faces but a hole in their hearts because they haven't been fed from the Scripture, guys. That's Paul's heart. Uh, In 1 Thessalonians, these are the kind of guys that grab Paul's heart. Look at verse 2. He says, We always thank God for all of you mentioning you in our prayers. Man, they were, they were guys that wanted to be little ones and wanted Jesus to be lifted up and wanted to be His servants. And Paul loved them. He wanted to pray for them because he knew their hearts. He says, We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Man, isn't that great? Wouldn't you love to have that said about you? Man, I would. I'd love to have it said by me that I'm a guy that works because of love. That, that I'm a guy that endures because I'm inspired by a hope that's beyond myself, and that's Jesus. Man, what, and that I'm enduring. Man, that's just great stuff. That's how Paul, he looked at these guys. That's a love that he had for them, that he saw through them. But you know what? It doesn't start as we look at Kingsway Baptist Church as the crowd. It starts when we're willing to be honest before God about ourselves. What do we want? Who do we want to be? Do we want to just be a monument and settle for what has happened? Or do we want to see something happen new that's by the power of God and by the work of His Spirit? What do we want? I heard a story about a young pastor that had a lot of zeal but probably not a lot of sense. And so he went to this church in a Midwestern town and man, he was pumped. He spent the first week, he decided, I'm going to visit every church member on this roll, even if it kills me. And so he started out, he went to work, and he did it. He visited everyone in that 
church that he could find. <laughs> Can't find her by on the roll. Everybody could find him visited. He was pumped. Came time for church. There was just a very small handful of people in the church. And he was fired up. He'd worked hard. Nobody came. So he, he preached his heart out. And then the next week, nobody came. And then he was angry. That's it. So he called the newspaper. And he put an ad in the newspaper. Put his church's name in there. An obituary call. said, uh, this church died. He says, we're going to have the funeral Sunday night. Come. Man, I mean, talk started going on in that little Midwestern town. They're going to have a funeral at that church. What is going on? And I mean, here they come. They filled the church up now. Came through the doors. Everybody was there. Here's the preacher, man. He's all dressed in black. He's at the front. And right at the front of the church, there's a casket. And it's open, and man, they're all talking. What is he talking about? Well, he gets up there, and he says some nice things about the church, how it was formed, what it had accomplished. But then he said, but somewhere along the line, the church died. And he said, let me tell you guys. He said, the reason the church died, it's the person that's in the casket. That's the one that's responsible for the death of this church. Boy, you could just hear the whispers. And they ready to lynch that guy, you know. So he says, what I want you to do, I want you to make a line. I want you to, to look in the casket. So man, they lined up. And as they started walking in front of the casket when it was open, they reached in, they looked in, and tilted in there was a mirror. So whenever you looked in the casket, you saw yourself. Guys, it's time for us as the body of Christ, as kids of the King, to stop blaming everybody else and everything else for the lack of the power of God here. It's not about you. It's about me and where I am with God. And what He wants to do in me. Hey, look, I don't have enough energy or time to deal with me, much less you. But if we all take that attitude and come before Him, then He's able to do a work like He did the Apostle Paul, where we move from, I asked for it, to, I'm just a little one, a servant, ready to work for our King. And man, we get a hold of that. I think we can... Be known like this church in Thessalonica. Where others are grateful for us. Because why? Because God will work in us with a labor prompted by love and, and endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. That's my hope. We have an altar that's open. Uh, maybe God's calling you to the front to pray. Maybe, maybe uh, the Holy Spirit has tugged at you through this message. What do you want? What do you want? Come pray. Maybe God's tugged you. Maybe you've played the church game. Maybe like Paul, you wanted to be noticed when he was Saul. You've asked for God's blessing. But you've never found yourself on your face realizing you needed to be forgiven. That you needed grace. You can't go here before you start here. God forbid that there's ever a message where there's not a chance for you to respond to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. To bow where you are and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. 
I need to be forgiven. Come enter my heart. Live inside me. Make me new. And He will. If you haven't done that, time for you to do that right now. This moment, just say, God, enter in. Lord, change me. Make me new. Transform me. Turn me from ass forward a little one. <laughs> and I'll be what you want. Uh, how's God working? Maybe this is a place He wants you to uh, be a part of this church family. Uh, whatever. Maybe God just wants you to share a message with the body of Christ or what He's doing in your life. We need that encouragement. I, I just want us to be open to God. I'm going to have a word of prayer. going to stand at the front. And we're just going to let God work and let you guys respond as He leads. Let's pray. Lord, uh, thank You for this day to remember our land to remember those who have faithfully served, those who are serving that, Lord, maybe we um, haven't recognized, but we thank You for them. We do love them, God. But Father, we're face-to-face now with a personal inspection. What do You want, Lord? What do You want with me? Help us all to ask that question. And may You be free to move in us, Lord. God forbid that it is ever said of Kingsway that we are a monument. Get a hold of us, Lord. Change us for your glory, God. Thank you for this chance. We need you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.